Hey, hey, friends. This is Jessie DeShane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today I have Lindsay Mitchell of Vital Side on the show. I had such an amazing time getting to know her and I think you guys are going to love this episode. Lindsay's story is a must listen and we get to find out how she was able to retrain her brain out of its high stress response and heal from chronic illness. So listen into today's episode and if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also leave us a review. That'll really help us grow. And yeah, I hope that you love this episode. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have Lindsay Mitchell, founder and CEO of Vital Side on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. Of course. I'm excited to chat today. Um, Would you mind kind of jumping right in and telling us who you are, a little bit about you, and what you do with your days? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to talk with other people who have had chronic illness or going through it right now. Um, So my background is actually working as a physician assistant. And so my background is internal medicine. That's what I did. I worked as a travel PA Mm -hmm. in internal medicine. So I was um, the person who was prescribing the medications and, you know, seeing people in about 10 minute time slots, um, working in really rural areas and my career and mindset shifted when I was diagnosed with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I had done a lot of traveling and, ended up contracting some parasites, being bitten by a tick and was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And that put me out, (laughs) you know, stopped life completely dead in the tracks, stopped working, um, and basically was homebound, bedridden for a while. And during that time, my you know, whole paradigm on medicine shifted mm. from what I knew, what I was told, what, is, what I was taught to this new idea of there are so many ways to heal. And mm. so there's not just the Western medicine. There's all of these different areas of medicine that can be really beneficial. So after I started out with the Western, you know, antibiotic, antiparasitic, that type of medication, um, going to different practitioners, it's the same old story, being told, I have no idea what the heck this is, you know, (laughs) Um, you're inflamed, and you're a woman, and you'll probably have to deal with this for forever. (laughs) Yeah, this this is your life now. I was like, uh, no, thank you, but no. (laughs) Um, And so I was told that again and again, and I I started there and I tried the medicine, I tried the prescriptions, and that can be really helpful at Mm -hmm. different points of treatment. Um, 
but I would plateau. I would get a little bit better and then I'd plateau and I was still homebound and I was still dealing with joint pain, migraines, fatigue, anxiety, and really couldn't get out of bed for longer than a few minutes at a time. Um, So I did a lot of research as we do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We find out all the information we can. And with my background in medicine, it made it easier to understand some of the, you know, integrative alternative treatments. And I started, you know, detoxing quite a bit, getting rid of the toxic overload in my body, um, which was helpful, changing my diet, (laughs) changing, um, there wasn't much lifestyle left to change. Um, but you know, continuing to, to seek other therapies, chiropractor, physical therapy, acupuncture. I did biomagnetism, which is when Mm. they use magnets on your body. It's really cool. (laughs) So tried all of those different modalities and a lot of things were helpful. And then I would plateau again. And so it kind of my trajectory and healing went up plateau down, plateau up. Yeah. (laughs) It was this wild, Mr. Toad's wild ride. (laughs) And (laughs) so ended up reading a blog again, as we do (laughs) on how the brain changes and our brain's natural innate healing properties. And I knew a little bit about that. I had heard of the word neuroplasticity, which just means the brain changes Mm -hmm. um, in school, you know, in PA school. But I didn't really understand what that meant. And so when I read more about it and started to do my own research and read books on it, I found out that the brain changes when you're dealing with a chronic illness and found out that we can actually change that and we have that ability to change it. And it doesn't mean, you know, taking another supplement or taking another medication, which can be beneficial, um, but not all the time. So I'm interested to find out how you can train your brain and how does one even start thinking about that? Because I think for me, I'm like, Oh, I can train my brain. Can I do that? Does like my doctor have to do that? that Right. I know. And brain training in general just sounds kind of daunting. You know, it sounds a bit intimidating. Right. Um, But we're making changes to our brains all the time. So Mm -hmm. the things that we watch on TV, um, the people that we talk to, the things that we choose to do all make changes to our brains and our thoughts are one of the biggest things that make changes to our brains. So our thoughts, our behaviors, our beliefs, these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so what I do now is kind of bridge that gap between, oh, I should think positive and I should do better and I should do this, these kinds of things. Um, and then the thought of like, what in the world? Like, how am I yeah. supposed to do that? I have chronic symptoms. I can't get out of bed. How am I going to think positively? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So it's kind of bridging that gap. And it's through specific techniques and through different mental exercises that you can do all the time. And so, you know, it doesn't require a machine, Mm. although there are some machines that can put you in like a theta state, you know, and um, 
But it's not about that. It's about learning techniques that you can do on your own every single day, quick techniques to make long-term positive changes to your brain because the brain is constantly communicating with the body. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we think of chronic stress or chronic inflammation or chronic pain, all these things, it starts in the brain. Mm. And so, you know, for example, chronic pain, yes, we can have it when we have an acute injury, but oftentimes the chronic pain doesn't mean that we have a tissue injury. It means that the brain is sending a response to the body mm -hmm. that there is pain. I need to release certain chemicals to produce inflammation so that you know it's there because yeah. something else is going on. And so it starts in the brain and you go to doctor after doctor and they, they look at different organ systems and they look at, you know, different things going on with you, but they forget about the brain. Mm. And why are you having this hyperinflammatory response, you know, because you don't just have the gut pain and the bloating. Um, you also have pain and fatigue and brain fog and anxiety and depression. And when you have that kind of conglomeration of symptoms, it's usually a result of the brain and the fight, flight, or freeze response being turned on all the time. So your brain is constantly saying, I'm in danger. The things around me are dangerous. So mm -hmm. this juice is dangerous. This food is dangerous. This activity is dangerous. Being around people, the smell is dangerous. Mm. Um, and then it, it steps way outside of our original comfort zone. So maybe, you know, yes, there are toxic products in the environment, but we go one step further and we get sensitive to an essential oil, mm. to an organic raw vegetable, yeah. you know, and our brain starts to say, these things are dangerous. And that's a clear cut indicator that it's our brain's response, not our body, because this thing is supposed to be good for us, but we're mm. reacting in this hyperinflammatory response. And so that response is in the limbic system. And so the techniques that we can do every day can calm that fight or flight response. And you know what we're doing is really having the brain and body start to communicate in an effective way again that provides the correct information rather than that hyperinflammation danger response. Yeah. How did this help you with your healing? How did you utilize it in your healing protocol? Yeah, so this is usually the last resort. Mm. This is the last kind of step, which is awesome because after this, it's like, you know, after this, chances are you'll be on that road to recovery. You'll be healing and your body and your brain will start to work for itself again. So for me... I kind of had to go through all those different avenues. You know, I have a medical background, scientific mind. I want to know the science. I want to know the research. And then I learned about this. And when that stress response or the survival, the fight or flight response remains turned on, it can be sending inappropriate alarm messages to the rest of the body, causing mm -hmm. increased inflammation, increased pain, increased symptoms. And I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love this. It makes sense because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, at the time I was in my twenties, I was, you know, uh, relatively healthy. What I thought beforehand, why am I not getting better? 
Mm-hmm. Why am I staying in this place? And I'm doing all these treatments. Why am I not getting better? And so when I learned about the brain, it made sense and <laughs> it clicked. Yeah. And I, um, there's a handful of pro- programs out there. And I actually had a grant for Lyme disease, which was such a blessing. And I'm always, you know, going to be appreciative for that. Um, and ended up doing the different programs out there and kind of combining the different things that made sense for me, these mental exercises. So the exercises include things like um, mental rehearsal, visualization techniques. And basically the goal is to change your neurochemistry. Mm. So what neurochemicals you experience. So when I talk about neurochemicals, um, you know, it could be something like hormones, right? When we're stressed and when we're in that survival mode, we typically release stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. But when you shift that through a mental exercise um, by something as simple as even a gratitude exercise, when you do a gratitude exercise, you can release neurochemicals, Mm -hmm. um, things like endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, these feel-good neurotransmitters. And when you do this, it puts your brain into that parasympathetic or that growth and repair response. And the brain sends a signal to the rest of the body that you're okay. We can decrease the inflammation. We can relax now. And so the more and more, say, you do that gratitude exercise, the more likely you're able to do it again. That's how the brain works is strengthening these neural connections that you take. And it's breaking away from that cycle of stress, pain, fatigue, brain fog, whatever else you were initially experiencing. So it's retraining your brain to focus on healing, to focus on positivity, to focus on the things that make you feel good. Mm, I love that. And it's crazy to think that, like, I don't want to say something as small as gratitude, but I don't think about it in that realm, like how healing just quote unquote being <laughs> grateful and like truly living in that form of gratitude can be so life-changing really. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people talk about gratitude all the time or they talk about positive thinking or, you know, Oh, you should practice gratitude. And you're sitting there like, why would I want to practice gratitude? <laughs> I'm lying in bed in the worst pain of my life. I hate everything right now. Mm-hmm. And so gratitude's not always the easiest one to go to, but it's yeah. probably the one we're most familiar with. But when you're in a state of gratitude and you're feeling that, you don't have to be grateful for the things around you, by the way. You can be grateful for your heart beating, mm-hmm. for your lungs working, for the oxygen being sent to your cells. You know, you can be grateful for those things that are working because we are alive. Mm-hmm. And, and so being able to be grateful for even that, when we experience that gratitude, we can't experience the stress cycle. We can't experience those stress hormones. So that's why gratitude is one of those like superpower kind of activities or emotions to experience um, because it, it supersedes any of those stress hormones, those negative emotions and those things that just don't make us feel good. Yeah. So you, so why don't you tell us more about vital side? These are all things that obviously you work with your clients on. So how do you help people? Yeah. So I, you know, did my own healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I started to use these techniques, within just a couple of weeks, I started to see a change. And something that shifted first for me was anxiety. (laughs) Um, I, I wouldn't ever describe myself as a naturally anxious person, but when you deal with chronic illness, mm. you start to become hyper aware. Is this thing going to, you know, cause a um, influx of symptoms? You know, is this thing going to cause me to bloat? Whatever it is. Um, I feel that and, on a deep level. <laughs> yeah, totally. And on one hand, it's good because you become more aware of the things that really feed you and help you to feel good. But if we start to hyper-focus on them, well, guess what? We shift our attention and we begin to focus on the things we can't do, which feeds that cycle of stress, influences that survival mode. So for me, I I noticed that I was, I went to a neighbor's barbecue (laughs) or was it a barbecue? It was like a and you like crawfish, you know, I live in the South. It was like yeah. a crawfish thing <laughs> and uh, a crawfish boil, broil. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was there for like half an hour and I didn't have the social anxiety that I had been used to having for the past year. And I, I remember standing there and thinking, all right. <laughs> I'm not anxious. Yeah. I feel good. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> yeah. But I am going to appreciate this moment of being here and not experiencing that anxiety. And so when I realized, you know, how powerful these tools were and I saw that in my life, I stuck with doing them every single day, you know, for about eight months. And that's how long it took me to rewire those neural networks in my brain. And that's how, you know, our brains and our bodies communicate with each other is through these neural networks. And so through chronic illness, through chronic stress, these different things, our neurons have been communicating that stress response for so long. So it does take time and commitment and repetition to rewire those pathways Um, and it took me eight months. And then at that eight month mark, I went to Costa Rica with my husband. I was surfing on a beach. I had like a piece of pizza with like full gluten and cheese and I didn't explode, you know? (laughs) So I, I, and the great thing about that was that I knew that my body and my brain were communicating and I didn't need to be in that hyperinflammation state anymore. Mm. That's not to say eating an entire pizza would make me feel good, but being able to eat a slice of pizza and not die was huge, you know, was, yeah. was a wonderful experience. And so um, when I was going to go back to work, I was talking with a practitioner here in Austin Um, who I had been working with and um, he and I were brainstorming about how I could fit into the integrative practice and um, you know kind of the idea came to me that I should start something on my own Mm. and this is such a crucial part of healing and not many people know about it and some people do and and you know life coaches will talk about it and and these different things and the information is out there but I don't think it's getting to the right people and so practitioners aren't hearing about it and so because of my background as a PA I was like you know how cool would it be to like combine what I know 
um, information about how the body and the brain heal. And then also this information about, you know, how we can use these different techniques to actually recover. And, and we bring those two things together mm. and create a healing protocol for that. And so vital side is, you know, science-based. It's all, there's all research scientific evidence behind everything because that's how I learn and that's how a lot of humans learn. But once you can understand the brain and the science behind it, then we go into more detail about the techniques you'll be using every day. The moment you experience a symptom, training techniques that you can use, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes a day. Um, and, and really start to reshape your lifestyle and your routines. And it is this huge shift in thinking patterns behavior. But for that person who has done all the things mm. and has not seen changes, this is usually the best step is it's time to look at the brain. This is where it's at. Um, so that person is usually like willing and ready and like, sign me up. I want to change. And that's the type of person that does the best is like, you know, that person who has been sick for 20 years and hasn't seen any changes in their symptoms. And all of a sudden they start to use these mental exercises, think about new things in different ways. And they're like, Whoa, I didn't know that I could do this. And and that's what I want you to do is be empowered that you have the healing properties to make these changes to your brain. And once you know them, you can do them on your own. Mm -hmm. um, but in vital side, my goal is to create, create a community of self healers. So people who are all learning the healing properties of the brain, you know, putting it into action, focusing on that and then seeing huge changes to their disease processes. I think that's so powerful. And especially with those of us with chronic illness, I think that it usually takes away some of our power and some of our own, like, what can we do for ourselves? Or like, for me, I put a lot of blame on myself. Like I caused this in the beginning of my journey. So I think that this is such an interesting modality to like focus on and realize that while using your help, obviously, but like having the power to really change the way that you're feeling by doing these things, I think is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, you mentioned the kind of tips and tools, the stuff that I have on my Instagram. And I like to put that information out there because even if you're not signing up for a program, you can learn these little tiny, quick little changes to start empowering yourself again. Because you, you know, you at home listening to the podcasts can even ask yourself, what is my story? Mm -hmm. What am I telling myself? You mentioned how you're blaming yourself, mm -hmm. right? And you're saying I did X, Y, and Z wrong to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And that story doesn't only impact your chronic illness. It impacts every faucet of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And so identifying that story and then flipping it is something that, you know, I encourage everyone to do. How can I flip that? No, like, you know, X, Y, and Z that I did brought me to where I am today, which made me mad and then yeah. made me make a huge change in my life that's sustainable, 
helpful and has got me to where I am, which is on this trajectory of healing, of being my best self for myself and for the other people that I love in my life. Yeah. I love that. What are some of the things that you do daily to keep yourself feeling great, especially as a CEO and dealing and working with people that have chronic illness and things like that? How do you kind of keep your cup filled? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people ask, okay, well, do I have to do this stuff in vital side for the rest of my life? (laughs) And typically I say no, but there's a caveat here you should always be priming yourself and energizing yourself and taking care of yourself first and foremost before anything. And, you know, we think about, you know, when you put makeup on and you always put the moisturizer and then you put the primer, I think that's how it goes. I'm not totally sure, but there is, (laughs) there is something called primer, which I'm pretty sure you do as the, one of the first things on your face. And you can think of the things that make you feel good as the primer. So every day, you know, I no longer have a chronic illness. I no longer, um, you know, identify with that. However, I am a human being Mm -hmm. and I live in a world and I'm a CEO and (laughs) I have things in my life and I leave the house. So things happen. So, you know, what I do is I energize myself by movement exercise always first thing in the morning. And I'm not just talking about, yeah, you can go for a run or you can go work out, but even just tapping on your body, waking yourself up. If you're in bed, just tapping on your body, giving energy to your cells because our cells, you know, feed on oxygen. How can we oxygenate ourselves? Um, so I always move first thing in the morning, even if it's just jumping up a few times, if that's the time that I have, um, I am always in nature. It's one of my favorite things. Um, Yes, there's a lot of science behind that. But personally, I just love it. Camping is one of my favorite things and being outside. And um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And breathing is something that's so important. Mm. And keeping track of these things too, because oftentimes we forget about breathing, right? We're like, Oh, I just, I breathe, (laughs) (laughs) you know, which is good. But at the same time, take a second. How are you breathing? Are you breathing out of your chest? Like (laughs) where you feel that kind of tightness and tension. And so even taking a minute to sit down and become aware of your breath and kind of feeling your belly move in and out, When you move your belly in and out, you stimulate the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that runs from your gut to your brain and has all of these kind of branches in between connecting to other organ systems. But when you stimulate it, you tell your parasympathetic response in the brain that it's time for you to turn on. I'm okay and I'm relaxed. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my go-to things that I do all throughout the day is always go back to that breathing if I ever feel like that. Um, but really priming myself in the morning is how I create that energy, you know, to give to everybody else because I have to recharge my batteries before I'm able to share with anyone. Yeah. And that's critical in what I do and what anyone does really. 
Yeah, I think that that's something that's so easily forgotten too. And to um, to fill your own cup in in a really energetic way, like you're talking about too. Because I think sometimes for me, I'm like, okay, I'll or not currently, thankfully, I have a great morning routine, but like I'll get up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have coffee because that'll give me energy, which is what I need. Or like I, not that there's anything wrong with coffee, but just like, but thinking about different ways of doing this, like moving your body, like you're saying, it doesn't always have to be like going to the gym or doing some sort of workout video. That's great, but it can also just be like, awakening your body or moving around or just like trying mm-hmm. to give yourself some of that energy from within, I think is really important. And then not being, um, what's the word? Like not being, not feeling bad for taking that time to give to yourself. You know, I think okay. like one of the things that I've noticed with all the people that I've talked to with chronic illness, no matter where they are in their state of healing, a lot of people deal with, some just feeling bad that, you know, people have to take care of them a little bit more than normal, or maybe they have all these symptoms that they're always talking about. But I don't think that you should ever feel bad about taking the time to fill your own cup, to be able to have more energy to give into the world, no matter how you're doing that, even if it's just showing up for having a conversation with a friend. But I love that. And the breathing thing too, I think as soon as you said that, I literally took a deep breath because I'm like, (laughs) I don't, I mean, I know I'm breathing because I'm not dead, (laughs) but I don't know how I'm breathing. So I love those. Yeah. Quick little things that you can do to make changes to your physiology. And on, on the note of putting yourself first and filling up your cup first, um, something that was really important that I tell all my clients is to always ask yourself, what is possible for me? Mm. So if you have been focused on what you can't do, well, I can't get up and go for a run. I can't even get out of bed. Asking yourself what is possible for me in this moment is huge. And so like I mentioned before, what is possible for me could be tapping on my body, waking up you know, my cells, waking up my nervous system. It could be drinking a big glass of water with lemon. Mm. You know, it could be these these healing things. It could be smiling even when it feels like you don't want to. <laughs> but that makes a change to your neurochemistry as well. So it's these small little shifts that you start out with. And so what is possible for me? And now, you know, that I don't have symptoms and I am healed, I take that saying, what is possible for me? And I ask myself, how is it possible to do 2% more? Mm-hmm. And so I know I am healthy, I am strong, and I take that, how can I do 2% more? How is it possible to do 2% more? And I run that extra block or I, you know, um, play with my dog for five more minutes because that feeds me and I know that I need that recharge. And so I'm taking it to the next level at this point, but starting out with that question, what is possible for me is the best place to start. And eventually you can work your way up to, you know, getting um, to the advanced place Mm -hmm. and and to the place where you can take it even further than that. Yeah. I love that. So if anyone wanted to reach out to you or connect with you, how would they be able to do that? 
Sure. So I love to talk to people all over the world. I do it every day. Um, and I always offer free consults that are through Zoom. So we meet for 25 minutes. I learn your story. And then we can understand together if this is related to the survival response, that stress response. And then we talk about moving forward. So you can schedule that on my website, and that's www.vital-side.com. Um, and you can also go to the link on my Instagram, and that's at myvitalside. And so the link is on there and I love to chat with people all over to see, you know, is this something that could work for them and how can we take the next step? And so I have an online video course that people can do anywhere in the world. And the good thing about that is we also meet once a week in a live group Zoom call for three months. And we also meet at least one time to go over how to use these techniques based on your symptoms because you know having that personalized care is so important so you know even if you're not doing the full live program with me being able to meet with me one two three times being able to talk about your symptoms how can i use these exercises based on my symptoms can be super helpful yeah, I think that sounds awesome. And I think so many of the listeners are going to be interested in finding out more. So I'll make sure that I have all the links um, in the blog post and in the description of this podcast as well. But is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know of the podcast? The last thing I just want to let people know is, you know, if you're listening, obviously there's a spark inside of you. And, you know, you can call that spark whatever you want to. but Many of us call that spark hope. And when you're hopeful, you are making changes to your neurochemistry. And the more you believe in that hope and go back to that hope, that hope is going to become stronger and stronger and take you to the place where you can actually see healing for yourself. And it may not be today, but holding on to that hope and continuing to reach for that hope, find the things that work for you is the most important thing that you can do for yourself today. So if that's you, I encourage you to hold on to that or to find it and see if it's in there because chances are listening to this podcast, you're just wanting to better yourself. So thank you for listening and keep that hope alive. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.